Hey guys, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jayla. We would like to welcome you to the Sustaining Life podcast. A lot of people have questions about the situations they face and the struggles that come with them. There are those who think the Bible does not provide modern-day solutions to our crazy lives. There are those who think the Bible isn't relevant to this day and age. Anxiety, depression, hurt, bitterness, and suffering. The Bible really does have answers and hope for all of these things. Let's Let's dive in. in. Hey guys, and welcome back to Sustaining Life Podcast. We're so, so excited that you decided to join us. Today we have the Barlows with us. And they are pastors in Independence, Missouri. And uh, why don't you guys take a moment to introduce yourself before we begin? Yes, praise God. Thank you, Brandon and uh, Jayla, for having us on again. And again, my name is Rodney Barlow, Pastor of Lighthouse Church of Independence, with my wife, Candace Barlow. Hey, y'all. <laughs> and uh, we've been here just about 10 years. Coming January, we'll be 10 years here. We have three beautiful children, Rodney, Devin, and Jaden. And we're just excited and delighted to share some of our thoughts and inputs concerning our topic today. So we just greet everyone who's listening or watching. We're so glad to be on with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to jump right in. Uh, we're doing a series on God's goodness, God's yeah. mercy, and God's grace. And, uh, you know, big words, you know, big, big thoughts, big ideas for, for God yeah. and how he works and, and those kind of things. And today we really want to focus on the grace aspect and uh, how, how God thinks of it and then how we think of it. How do we practice it in our lives? So just to, just to start out here, uh, Pastor Barlow um, and Sister Barlow, uh, if you guys would just talk a little bit about your perspective on grace. Uh, what do you what do you think of what do you see when you when you hear the word grace you did mention you guys talk about uh, mercy his goodness and his grace I say well there's something I heard that's a good saying in regards to mercy and grace grace is giving me what I uh, don't deserve and mercy is not giving me what I do deserve yeah yeah (laughs) so when I think about grace I think it in a position that I get love and mercy and goodness all packaged, even though I do not deserve it. Yeah. Right. And that when he gives me these opportunities, where it's simple in my mind is it creates opportunities for me. I think grace is about opportunity. And I also, in addition to that, I do believe that grace is about opportunity, but I believe that sometimes we just leave it right there. For opportunities, but I also believe that grace empowers us to be a better version of ourselves, um, like the scripture says. Um, I pulled up a scripture. It was 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and it said, and he said unto me, he said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, and I'll just stay with part A of the scripture, but grace allows us to walk in places with our head up. Those places that should make us be depressed and stressed and anxious. When grace steps in, all of a sudden we're empowered. All of a sudden we have strength. All of a sudden we can do things that we weren't able to do in the natural. When we're looking at grace, it's that God brings the super to our natural so that we can walk in a way that represents him um, more clearly. Yeah, super to our natural. That was good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, I think I think those are two really great perspectives on grace. I think of people in the Bible and different situations, you know, that they may have messed up in. Um, you know, they had responsibility to do something that's very important, and they don't do it. You know, and I feel like it, the same is true in our lives. You know, we can look at our lives and we can think of, oh, I messed up there. 
I could never recover or I could never fulfill that responsibility because I did this, 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 et cetera. And we think we can never recover from that. And I guess there's a lot of people I think of, but one of the people I think of um, is David in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, David was anointed to be king. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of really uh, fantastic things, exciting things. He, he did defeated Goliath, uh, but he also was kind of a, uh, he a messed up. Person. <laughs> he messed up. You know, he, he, he messed up in some big areas. Um, big areas. And yeah, you know, I think, I think bad person, I think qualifies him sometimes, but you know, but even with David, um, each time he went to the Lord, we find in the Bible that he repented and God gave him grace. Like you mentioned, God gave him another opportunity to show that he loves God, gave him another opportunity to, to show someone else that, Hey, God is good. So, you know, how do we, I, I would ask the question, how do we, um, you look at a story from the Bible. And then how do we live it out in our own life? And I know the details are different because we live in different cultures. We live in different societies, different governments, and different times. But what are some things we can take away from like David's story, for example, um, and apply it to our life and say, okay, this is where I can find my grace too. And it applies to me as well. You know, um, I want to take you even further back uh, in the past, even from David, and it hit on what you said initially that, um bible stories well look, look at the first one look at adam that's true okay that's how i think it applies look at adam and when you look at adam a little bit closer i don't see anywhere now don't take this too far doctrinally but i don't see anywhere where he even repented it's true yep if you in this context right and god Come gave on, an right. opportunity to too right and so his his wife takes the fruit he could have made some decisions there and then he took it upon himself and then what did he begin to do once he got caught out i'm naked and ashamed i hid i was afraid and then god you gave me the woman and on and on and on but we know the word says you will surely die mm-hmm. but grace said you didn't die immediately yeah grace says that i'm going to kill an innocent animal and clothe you from your nakedness. Right, right. And again, I don't see where Adam repented or said sorry. So grace yeah. says, I'm covering you in spite of you. And so when we look at about the opportunity of being empowered in the context of grace and why we are believers and Christians, it's not that because we know how to do everything right. It's that we have that confidence that comes from a God that gives us grace that what? When we are weak. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'll let her finish that. That when we are weak, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turning my thing around. Um, but just to, just to piggyback off that, just even to go a little bit further. So when we look at the Bible, we see Paul writes in Romans five eight. He says, "God shows His love for us that while we were yet sinners, mm-hmm. Christ died for us." So when we really take that and we apply it to our lives, God already knew what mistakes yeah. we were going to make, what downfalls we're going to have, what struggles we're going to have. He said, with all of that, I'm still going to die for you. And then he says that when we do fail, he said that your sins, I remember them no more for my own sake. Come on. So we got to say, I am going to mess up because I'm human. Right. I'm going to strive to be like God. But when I mess up, I'm going to arise again because mm-hmm. I know a God that says his grace is for me and he's going to not for, remember my sins. And when we look at our lives and we look at our flaws and when we mess up, there's one person who wants to remember, wants us to remember our flaws. 
Correct. The enemy. The devil's like, well, don't you remember what you did last Friday? Don't yep. you remember what you did in your past? Who are you to try to stand up and be a witness? And the devil wants to condemn us, but the grace of God convicts us to change mm -hmm. for the better. The grace of God says, honey, don't stay down there. I want you to get back up. And not only do I want you to get back up, I want you to get back up to that original place and position. You're not starting over again. My grace says you're good to get back up and continue on where you've been walking. In. Yeah. Very true. You took what I said, so keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, um, sorry, uh, just so powerful, like what they both described you know, you have Adam and Eve. He didn't even repent. He didn't even say he was sorry. He went and hide. And God's like, I'm still extending this to you because I love you. Like, this is who I am. And that is just such a powerful image when we take it to salvation. Mm -hmm. And we're like, God's like, I'm extending this to you because I love you. I love you. And I feel like he says it so many times throughout the Bible in so many different ways. And I feel like we and our human mind and we get like to get stuck and we say God doesn't love us and mm -hmm. we'll say it over and over again and it's all over the Bible in so many different ways and like Sister Farrell said he wants us to rise up to not just rise like you're on sinking sand you know you're not just put your head above the ground but to where right. you are out of it um but yeah very that was very very good yeah no, absolutely well I think of people like you know like Judas um, you know, they were sitting in, in dinner and they were, you know, spending time together and Jesus was giving his, basically his one of his last experiences with the disciples before he was crucified. And Judas was not having a good night and he decided he was going to go out and sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And as, as soon as Judas walked out the door, I mean, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He already knew that he was going to sell him out. But as soon as Judas walked out the door, Jesus turns to the disciples. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, <laughs> that you love one another, that you love one another. And he says, how would you love somebody that's going to sell you out? You know what I mean? In our nature, in our natural self, right. we're not thinking, yeah, I'm going to love you. <laughs> but he says, I'm going to love you anyway, because I love you and I died for, I'm going to die for you. Um, you know, the scripture says, uh, we love him because he first loved us. Uh, yes. You know, and you know, I think that's one of the hardest things to do. And that's something I feel like, well, we could do a lot better at, I think, in society is we're always looking for someone to give us a reason to love them and prove themselves, prove themselves right. honest, prove themselves worthy, prove themselves valuable. And if you look at the Bible, God never taught that. God never taught, you need to prove your love to me. He taught, we need to prove the relationship as we have that commitment. Mm -hmm. But he never said, okay, you have to love me before I love you. He says, I love you first. And I think we mess up a lot of times in that, in that perspective, because we're always looking for someone to say, okay, you need to prove that you deserve my love before I give it to you, you know? Right. And what do you guys say, some practical ways that we can make sure that we don't fall into the trap of requiring someone to prove their, prove themselves before we love them? Because that's, I, th I think that's a trap that's really easy to fall into. I think a good way is to really understand what love is. I think we, we require people to prove their love to us when we don't have a, a good understanding of what love is. Right. Um, yeah. Love is the first fruit of the spirit, which is mentioned in Galatians. Um, yeah. But when we look at the book of First Corinthians, um, we further can examine what love, what it really is. Um, one of the first things that it says about love is that love is, the Bible says in the King James Version, that it's long suffering that love is long suffering um and then it says that um 
I don't have that verse up. For some reason, I thought it had, I had it right here, but it says that it's long suffering and it's that agape love, not the love that says, oh, I love you and I have butterflies and you're so handsome, you know, but it's a love that says that, um, that it vaunteth not or it puffs not itself up. It's a love that's not easily angered. And so when we examine that and we have to be intentional about saying love is not a feeling, but love is an action. And within this action, I'm going to the word of God and I'm going to build upon this love by things that I do day by day. I'm not bringing up your past. I'm not bringing yeah. up your faults. I'm not, I'm not blowing up when you're trying to convey something that's going on in your life. So that's really what love is. And if we can work on practicing that when we see that we're, we're not expecting feelings and flowers and stuff like that. Although it's good. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we don't force that on others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to add to that, um, Jesus said this, and I think we overlook this a lot, me included. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. The problem we have in society is not that we just don't love our neighbors and we don't treat them respectfully, whatnot. The root of the problem is we don't love ourselves. We yeah. don't think it's okay to love ourselves because people have um, muddled it to think that loving yourself is arrogance or pride or overconfidence. That's a lie of the enemy. It is. Yeah. That is a lie of the enemy. And that's what causes people to reach these proverbial ceilings that should not be there. There is no ceilings in us. The sky is the limit. But if we have limited ourselves because of how we value ourselves, because why? We know ourselves, we know our mistakes, and we treat ourselves like dirt sometimes. Dirt. We'll say dirt, yeah. Time. Right. Yeah. But when we love ourselves and say, God is okay with me, I'm okay with me, then it's okay to be the best me. And that's not to limit you, because if I love myself, I want you to be the best you as well. And if we yeah. all re- recognize that there's enough pie for everybody, that if I love myself truly as God has now loved me, then it's easy for me now in a practical way to love you as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's so easy. You know, I've seen it so many times and you guys, I'm sure as, as well have, you know, when somebody comes into a, a church setting or even just a home Bible study, anytime that they can have some sort of spiritual experience with God, I've seen so many people feel condemned from their past and they struggle to raise their hands. They struggle to sing or they don't even say anything because they don't feel worthy enough to even say anything. They feel so ashamed. And you mentioned Adam and Eve. I think it's it, right in the first story of the Bible, it shows Adam and Eve, like you said, they were afraid and they were afraid of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, that touches my heart in such a deep way because it's, they were afraid of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Before that, they were spending time with God. They were in the garden, all happy. Things were great, but they became afraid of the presence of God. The one place where we should feel completely secure, we should feel peace. We should feel love. We should feel everything we would ever need in that presence of God. But because the devil used that condemnation yeah. to tell them, right. hey, you know what? You messed up and you can never come out of that. And I think we, we you know, in that, in that same kind of vein of thinking, um, so many people, they, they don't have the right response to mistakes. You know, we think when we have a mistake, let me punish myself. Right. Let me make sure that I feel as much pain as I possibly can deserve in our own human right. mind. And we don't think, okay, let me go to God with that. You know, God's response when we mess up is come to me, worship me, praise me, talk to me, spend time with me. And people put themselves on, I guess, in this kind of season of solitude. <laughs> and they say, you know what? I'm not going to praise God or raise my hands for, for a month because I messed up. And they think that's okay. They think that that's going to make it better. They think that they get, if they punish themselves just enough, things will become better. 
And God has never been a God like that. God has said, okay, the moment you mess up, come back to me. The moment you say something dumb, come back to me. And that's what I, when I look at grace, I think of a God that's always saying, like you mentioned before, grace is giving us something that we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. We don't deserve that forgiveness, but God has given us that anyway. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's so crucial, you know, to keep that in mind. Absolutely. I think from what you said, a lot of the times that we see people is it stems from a cycle. You know, yeah. a lot of times people were hurt in the home by people that were supposed to protect them. They were neglected in the home growing up by people that were supposed to cover them and nurture them and protect them. And instead of that happening in their homes, you know, they found themselves in cycles, right? Of I was hurt in my home. I was abused in my home or I did something wrong in my home and I didn't get the response that I deserved. So now you find yourself in the house of God and you're equating your, your parental figure as the same as God. So they condemned me when I did wrong. So now I find myself in the house of God in this cycle. I've done wrong, but all I can see is my parent or all I can see is my grandparent that has scolded me. And is God going to treat me the same way? And so we have to teach people that God is a loving God. He's not like the person who raised you. So you can take down the walls and and be vulnerable before him and he's not going to hurt you. You can be vulnerable before him and he's not going to push you away. But as you become vulnerable before God, draws you in with his love and with his forgiveness and with his grace yeah. that's something we have to recognize and those cycles have to be broken absolutely okay. absolutely well I, I i like to kind of pose a thought um you know as we know women and men are different you know biologically they're different really? they think differently i i know it's shocking right um <laughs> and emotionally they're, they're different you know right. what approach would you take uh to a woman versus a man if they're coming into the house of God, they're, they're wanting to know God and they struggle with the grace, uh, the grace message. They struggle with understanding what that is and how it looks like. How would you approach in a, I know it's, there's not one size fits all type of answer, but in a generic way, what are some differences in terms of approaching a man versus a woman emotionally that you would suggest for that? As far as a woman, we need to know and feel that we can be loved despite, I mean, a lot of different things physical appearance, um, emotional things that we've dealt with in our lives, um, weakness in areas that we feel like we can't just get it together, um, failures. We want somebody that can look at all that and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. I I still love you. When I'm working with, even if I see somebody in the altar or working with somebody, the first thing I want to do is I want to get them to a point where I can talk to them. And talk to them about their hurt, talk to them about their pain, and then their shame as well. And say, you know what? You're forgiven. You're accepted as you are by God. And once we know that we're accepted, that's what we want. We want accepted. We want people to look at us broken and flawed and all and say, I still love you. And if we can convey that through your brokenness, through your hurt, through your pain, God still wants you. He still wants you. That's something that is so appealing to us as women, even with our husbands. You know what I mean? If I can go before my husband and say, you know, I messed up in this area or I'm hurting about this. And my husband just opens his arms and say, you know what, honey, everything's going to be okay. I still love you. And I'm here to cover you. And I'm here to support you. That's what draws me from a woman's perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with men, there's just a lot of, stuff that we got to push by because we're strong yeah so so for me i think 
that men as again a way a option to look at god as you want to look at him as a god of strength but a god of power yeah and a god of meekness that people again misinterpret what that means so if i'm a strong man with pride and all that with me then i gotta say you know what god is stronger so if he's stronger and he's bigger and he's wanting to do this in my life then i want to walk with that type of a leader that type of authority because his authority is what is now empowering me to walk in my authority. Yeah. So for a man, I have to say, there's a, there's a mighty God out there that believes in me. That's why I said opportunity. So I have a God who died for me. Why? Because he believes in me. That means I approach God because he wants to bring out the best in me. He wouldn't bring out that warrior inside of me. Even though if I missed, I missed that battle, he's telling me, all right, so you get up and you go do that again. That's grace. And so a man can say, you know what, I can fall, but a stronger God is picking me up saying, keep on fighting. You still have what it takes. And that's, again, the risk of God is empowering word for men as well in a practical way. Yeah. Absolutely. Also true, because like without, without submission, there's not anointing. Mm. You know, without submission, like you said, there's, there's not that authority. You know, and when we have a relationship with God, we have an agreement with God that says, all right, God, God says, I'll, I'll do these things for you. I'll provide these tools for you. I'll give these promises to you. As long as you do the things that I've asked you to do. Right. And like you said, men, are, men, men struggle with that. Men struggle with, okay, well, I'll do these things, but I want to do this one a little differently, you know, because I know better. Right. <laughs> I have a better right. plan than you. And, uh, you know, I think it's so crucial what you said. But as, as we're kind of concluding this, this session on grace, um, we're so thankful, thankful mm -hmm. to the Barlows for hopping on and uh, taking their time and uh, giving some wisdom on, on grace. Um, before we close out of here, as, as pastors, um, what is something that you guys do that helps establish the grace mindset in your own church as you pastor? That's a good question. Repeat, recycle, and do it again. <laughs> and I use a word too, teachable moments, right? Okay. It's okay to point out in truth what you have done wrong, where you made a mistake, and where we're going to love you in the middle of it. Mm. Yeah. So it's not to point out flaws, just to point them out. It's to point them out to say, hey, don't you see what we all have done or made mistakes in? And we still want to value you. We still want to grow you. We still want to educate and mature you because that's what the word of God does. It creates that culture of grace, of knowing, again, that when honesty and transparency is there, nobody has to leave. Nobody yeah. has to hide. When people who have not been here in a while come back, the church knows. You don't say nothing foolish to them. Where have you been all the time? It's glad to see you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Something simple. Glad to see you. Yeah. It's important for the church as a whole to learn to walk in what we talked about love, but also in forgiveness. Yeah. To learn how to forgive as swiftly as you want to receive that. And the Bible says in Colossians um, 3 13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have agreements against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I think that if we can walk in the flow and the vein of immediately forgiving each other, that's where we see the grace of God manifested in relationships and manifested um, amongst the church. If we know that, hey, I got to give you some wiggle room the way that I expected. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt the way that I expected. I think a lot more relationships would be healthier if we can say, you're human, I'm human. Let's forgive one another and roll with it. Absolutely. Well, I think something to remember or, or to point out here is 
through all these discussions and everything that has been said about grace, uh, not one time have any of us said anything about, well, give grace if. There's never been a condition on anything that's been said. There's never been a status quo on anything that's been said. If you're a professor, if you're a pastor, if you're a student, if you're a child, whatever, uh, there's no condition to grace. Mm -hmm. There's no condition. There's no situations. Like you said, we just, we just give it because that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what God gives to us. Uh, And if you're struggling with grace today, if you're struggling with the idea that you can be forgiven or that you can have something that um, is, is, is really good in your life, you have access to it through a Jesus who died for you and loves yeah. you and is still alive today. Um, so if you have any questions, if you have any things that you want prayer for, you can always reach out to us. I'm sure the borrowers wouldn't mind if you slap something on their Facebook page. Um, uh, one more time. Can you give us the information to your Facebook page? Uh, so our person was in church. So for me, it's just Rodney Barlow. That's my Facebook name. And yours is sister with an A at the end, Barlow. <laughs> and then our church is the lighthouse church of independence lighthouse the lighthouse church of independence absolutely well thank you guys so much for joining us uh thank you listeners for joining us today and we'll see you guys next week on saturday thank you guys thanks for joining us at sustaining life podcast today we pray that this time has blessed you be sure to check the show notes it will tell you how to contact us whether you want prayer or you want to share something exciting with us or you just want to connect check it out we'll love for you to follow us at sustaining life podcast on facebook and instagram join us throughout the week for more sustaining life